Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. Welcome to your weekly dose of depression, Mavs Media. Brought to you by, you know, Mainstream Mavs. And weekly. Spotify it's for week- pod- and Spotify, and yeah. Spotify for podcasters. But nonetheless, today we will be getting into the Mavericks 127-125 to nationally televised ESPN loss to the Golden State Warriors. Luka Doncic returned after a five-game absence with a thigh contusion. Kyrie Irving and Tim Hardaway Jr. were both out. Uh, Kyrie with the right foot soreness, and I believe Tim Hardaway Jr. also with right foot yeah, soreness. It's a right foot soreness anditis going around again. So yes, uh, but nonetheless, the Mavericks have another just lackluster defensive performance, and it segues into them losing a close game. Mark Cuban has filed a complaint to the NBA for a play in the third quarter where there was apparently a lack of communication between the referees and the Dallas bench to where on the ensuing play after a timeout situation, the Warriors inbounded the ball with no Mavericks defenders around and Kevon Looney got a easy dunk. The Warriors were went on to win by two, of course. So that is in review, but we do not anticipate anything to really come out of that. Just given that those, Reviews never really materialize into anything. Otherwise, it was a very sort of weird, up and down, hectic game. But to cover it all today, here we have Jaron and I, of course. Jaron, what were your immediate thoughts on this loss by the Mavericks and this uh this sort of repetitive loss? I feel like we've seen this few times this season. We've seen this many times this season. I, I felt like this was a game, you know, definitely a must-win in the scenario where you know you're playing for the six seed spot, um, and you know, I know the Warriors, according to ESPN, you know, Steve Kerr was harping on them that this was, you know, a winner take all sort of game. Like they had to, you know, play with amazing effort. I didn't see that um, out of the Mavericks side. I just felt like there was they're really flat at times. Um, it was it was a weird game, one where, you know, there was just some effort issues, you know, referee problems, of course, and one where the, the even the crowd just wasn't even in it that much. So just in that stance, it was a weird feeling game. But in a must-win scenario, you know, I feel like you should see a little more out of your team. But, of course, we didn't get that. And, you know, now it's – what was the final score? 127-125. Um, and I felt like, you know, had there been a little more effort on some possessions, we could have looked at a completely different score. But yet again, you know, this team falls short. Um, and we put ourselves in, you know, a situation where, you know, nine games left in the season, you know, you still have a decision whether or not to tank or whether or not to make the playoffs. So uh, it, it's a weird sort of – I guess teeter totter that this team's falling in between, but we'll see what they do from here on out. And I guess like we're covering this game, but it's definitely a weirder, weirder feeling game um, compared to some other ones. But th- this one definitely falls in the depression category of games this year. Yeah. I think a lot of people are quick to say, Oh, there was all these players injured. So it really doesn't matter. But when you're 73 games into the regular season and you're jockeying for playoff position in ever crowded West, I think every game matters and every team is banged up to an extent, maybe not to the extent that the Mavericks are with having their second best player out. But I mean, the Warriors tonight were missing Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton, who they don't even know uh, if one of those guys will be back 
before the playoffs because he's dealing with some personal issues. So, I mean, those are very, those are probably arguably their top two defenders in their rotation as um, Mr. Jeff Van Gundy and I jointly point out from his broadcast last night, but nonetheless, um, you can make a case for every team that they're banged up at this point in the season. Guys are just getting players back that, you know, are pining to come back late in the regular season after dealing with injuries all year, like Minnesota with towns and everybody's just trying to like really gear up and reacclimate and, you know, really for lack of a better term, get their shit together. And the Mavericks, you know, that you can try to make the excuses with the Irving and Hardaway junior injury, but at the end of the day, they've had to play with broken, broken parts uh, throughout many times in this season. And it wasn't so broken tonight. They still had one of their superstars to where they couldn't, you know, tangibly win this ball game. Uh, yet they fall. I mean, I, I'm just like, a lot of this stuff just comes down to defensive communication, boxing out and effort as Jaron alluded to that, you know, it had the game trended differently and the Warriors were having an insane shooting game. Then maybe that would be, uh, you know, a change of course for another discussion. But at the end of the day, they went 12 for 20, 12 for 39 from three. So a uh, majority of these points are just Mavericks not boxing out or letting up easy layups in the lane. So we will be getting into this absolute um, just dumpster fire, dumpster okay. fire of a game. Yes, that's a good adjective. Uh, before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for podcasters. All right. So right off the gates, Jaron, uh, Luca definitely made his presence known in that first quarter coming off an injury. Uh, he was doing a really good job at um, surveying the floor and um, really diagnosing those pick and rolls. And he was able, he was subsequently able to get into the lane because of that. Uh, there seemed as if there was just a little more uh, get up and effort from the team, uh, knowing that this was a big game, uh, nationally televised, has huge standing impl- implications. And, you know, there, the defense was obviously lackluster, but uh, everything seemed like it was in sync offensively. What did we see from the Mavericks in that first quarter versus the Warriors? Yeah, I mean, from an offensive perspective, really we saw the pick and roll put up to a T, you know, with Dwight Powell and Luka Doncic, like that's a duo that, you know, has worked well together for many years. Uh, and we saw it on pretty much showcase last night. Um, you know, Dwight Powell had some ferocious throwdowns all due to Luka, you know, lob passes. But um, Luka's ability to dictate the pick and roll, and we've talked about this ad nauseum before, uh, his ability to dictate the pick and roll and either get to the hoop um, or just work off that, you know, getting some mid-range shot, whatever it is, um, you know, using a Euro step to get inside the paint, like, He's a, a savant in that sense, and that's exactly what we saw um, in that first quarter. But, you know, outside of that, you know, we saw easy penetration inside and just kick out threes. Uh, and either that would be working around the around the horn, uh, getting an open shot, you know, or just, like I said, easy, you know, you're a step in for Luca uh, and his ability to just kind of like bully his way in. Uh, it was some ways that he also got some points. He started out the game pretty hot, as you mentioned before. Um, and as the game kind of fizzled on, like the second quarter really is whenever we start to see him kind of fizzle out, have some really bad shots. Like he finished the game 11 of 27. Uh, but I want to say he started the game. I think he had 10 points in the first quarter or eight points in the first quarter. Um, he had a pretty good margin in that first quarter in terms of just production and everything like that. But definitely as the game progressed, we saw him sort of deflate, 
Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily tiredness or what, you know, he had missed five games previously due to that thigh contusion. Um, so I'm not sure if it was, like I said, you know, him being just sort of deflated due to, uh, you know, not playing in those five games or uh, for other reasons, you know, maybe it's still lingering a little bit. Like, like I said, we just don't know the answers to that. Um, but as the game sort of progressed on, like we did see his energy so, sort of fall apart. He sort of kind of settled on some shots. He went two of 10 from the three point line um, and necessarily like, we see him settle uh, is whenever we see those kind of stat lines. And um, just in that first quarter, though, I, I thought that was his best offensive quarter, um, just in the sense of, you know, we, we got to see, you know, Luca, or I guess the best example of Luca, um, just in the sense of his ability, you know, to get inside and work off that um, and find open shooters just across the court or whatever it was. Um, outside of that, you know, some guys were able to attack some closeouts, get some easy buckets inside. Um, and I know defensively, you know, pretty much throughout the whole game, this was one that was, I mean, awful, I guess you can say, like, that's probably the best word to put at it. Um, but there's just easy buckets inside for the Warriors. And especially in that first quarter, um, I, I know that, you know, we won the point margin in terms of that first quarter, but even still the Warriors, they got off to like a, a I don't know, they got off to an early lead. Um, and it was just all easy buckets inside, like uh, miscommunication between, you know, Josh Green or Reggie Bullock or uh, Holiday, whoever it was. It was just a simple, you know, communication over. Uh, and that just clearly wasn't, you know, received. And it would be easy dump offs to Kevon Looney or, you know, uh, Kaminga. He was able to easily dictate the pick and roll, just get stay in the dunker spot, whatever it was. Um, but it was, it was a tale of, you know, honestly, really good offense at times and really, really bad defense. Uh, and I think that pretty much just writes what we saw from last night's game. Um, definitely as the game progressed, like it, it became, you know, a, I guess as much of a fun game to watch just in the sense of it was like a back and forth battle. Um, but yeah, from a defense perspective, it was hard to watch. What do you attribute to some of the defensive deficiencies that the Mavericks had? Do you think um, that they were just hard pressed to be able to keep up with some of the Warriors actions, uh, you know, be it their, Split actions or the staggers and uh, curl offs that they're running for Stephen Clay. Uh, do you think that the Mavericks were just so enamored by the star power and the brass of those two spearheading uh, the attack on the other end, shooting wise, that they just kind of um, forgot their basic rudimentary coverages on some of these other role players? Or do you think that it was just more attributed to a lack of effort and the Mavericks just? not caring enough on that end I think it's a mix of everything that you just said um I, I definitely felt like at times you know some guys Chris Wood and Luka Doncic in particular on the defensive end I felt like they were caught ball watching at times or uh they would kind of deflect towards the paint as soon as you know Clay or uh Steph Curry even Jordan Poole at times the you know the, the pick and roll was set up for them and they would automatically just sort of rotate inside the paint uh to cover that pick and roll and I mean that's sets up for an easy corner three and we saw that multiple times as I mentioned um so I think it was a little bit of that just sort of the magnitude the um the, I guess attraction that those guys can bring in Clay Thompson and Steph Curry you know being able to work off those like uh you know even beating guys off the dribble but I, I think also you know a lack of effort in a sense you know I saw multiple times with Christian Wood um maybe a pass was you know thrown over his head and it was an easy you know run out situation where you can close out on the ball and yes, they might be beat you off the ball and off the closeout, but, you know, at least you gave effort in closing out. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it was Kaminga was the one who made like a corner three because basically Christian would refuse to just even, you know, look at him um, of a cross, of a cross court pass. 
I just think it, it was a mix of all of that, you know, effort, uh, you know, the usual guys caught ball watching is what we saw. Um, you know, the magnitude of Steph, Clay, uh, Jordan Poole, like their ability to dictate inside the paint. Um, even Draymond Green had some, you know, like usual Draymond Green type points. Uh, but I, I think it was really just a mix of everything that kind of led up into this. And usually, you know, you might make a change or an adjustment, but um, not to say the Warriors have so many weapons that you just can't make an adjustment, but I felt like there was zero adjustment made throughout the whole game. I felt like we just saw, you know, basically the narrative of what we've seen all season just played over and over and over again through all four quarters of this game. As I had alluded to, the Warriors only went 12 for 39 on threes tonight. They had 66 out of their 127 points in the paint. How were they able to um, just blow by the first wave of Mavericks in terms of their dribble penetration and create issues from there? Because it de- it seemed as if they they had like a lot of like hockey assists from the first ball end or at the point of attack, uh, just by virtue of uh, passing you know smart out of Maverick double teams. Uh, they only had 13 turnovers for a team that historically has a pretty uh, has had a pretty high turnover margins this season. And they just did a really good job of, you know, finding whoever it was, whether it be Draymond or Looney in the dunker spot. They have such good chemistry, you know, between those guys in terms of their ability to diagnose plays out of the short roll in the four on three. Uh, Is there any sort of, I guess, envy from your perspective as a Mavericks fan uh, from some of the sort of just supplementary players that the Warriors have offensively uh, when you have a guy like a Draymond or a Looney that is just so dialed into your scheme offensively uh, that they can sort of dictate those scramble scenarios where the Mavericks either trap or uh, the first Warrior uh, offensive player is able to get past a, you know, a failed closeout by a Maverick or preemptive closeout and uh, then kind of has his full array of options. Do you, as a Mavericks fan, do you do you envy uh, the Warriors and their um, just continuity with a guy like Draymond and Looney, where they confidently make the pl- the right play seamlessly almost every time? I mean, to me, that's a confident yes. I think to everyone listening, that's probably a confident yes. Um, you know, the Warriors, their bread and butter, their DNA, whatever you want to call it, uh, is off-ball cuts, off-ball movements, um, whether it be screening, cutting, whatever it is. Uh, they do that so well and they have done that so well. And that's why, you know, they're basically the team of the 2010s um, is because of that reason alone. Uh, I I think, you know, to even have 25% of what they had would be insurmountable for this Mavericks team. Uh, They'd be able to do, you know, of course, so many different things, but I guess a prime example to, you know, what the Warriors would probably handle very much better in a situation how or compared to how the Mavericks handle it and it's not very well or not not handled well at certain times is like sort of the four on three the the short roll situations um it seems like the Mavericks rely so heavily on that short roller whether it be Christian Wood or Dwight Powell um they rely so heavily on that person to sort of you know dictate where the ball goes uh I feel like if the Warriors were put in that situation whether it be you know Draymond or whoever's getting the ball at the top of the key uh in that short roll situation you know they have enough guys they have enough players on that team that can confidently make a play off the ball to get open with inside the paint or, you know, around the arc, whatever it is. Um, That's just something that this Mavericks team doesn't have. Uh, You know, yes, you see some off ball movements. Yes. You see some off ball plays made, but it's not to the dexterity of the the Warriors. And, 
like I said, you know, they've they've done this for years. They have some amazing chemistry. They they've done it. I mean, that's why this team won a championship last year. Um, I think, you know, this team, I don't really, I guess for the Mavs perspective, like, yes, you envy that, but this team just doesn't have that. You know, they, they don't have those kind of players. It, not to say they don't have those kind of players. They just have that system. Um, I don't know if it's, a, you know, a system or, you know, a player, like I said, I'm not really sure what it is, but uh, just the Warriors ability to, you know, cut off ball, set off ball screens and work off those. Like that's what we saw put on a tee last night. That's why they were able to go 85% from the inside the three point line. I think it was, um, it was a 27 of 32. Uh, like that's why they were able to do that uh, was because of those off ball movements, because of those off ball cuts. Uh, it, it allowed so many guys to get open. And we know, you know, as I mentioned five minutes ago, that this Mavericks team gets caught ball watching and they have all season long. And that's why they're ranked, I think, 23rd in uh, defense this year. Uh, if you just have, you know, some simple basketball plays where you can just set up some nice, easy, you know, dump offs via off ball cuts and, you know, screens and everything like that, like that's going to set up so many different things for your offense to work off of. And that's exactly what we saw from the Warriors. Um, that's why they were able to, like I said, you know, go 20, 27 to 32, I think it was from inside the three-point line. Um, and, you know, working off the pick and roll, Kaminga, uh, Kavon Looney got it worked in there a little bit. Um, you know, even uh, Draymond Green, like all these guys, uh, just their ability to be in the right place at the right time uh, really plays dividend in why this team, you know, yes, they've had a rough stretch of the season, but that's why they won the, the, the chip last year is because they were able to do this. Um, you know, I guess just to add a little more salt in the wound, this team is nine and 29 away and they beat the Mavericks at home. Uh, and I want to say they're like, they were on like an eight game losing streak, uh, either the game before or the, that game. I, I, I forget what it is, but they were on like some eight game away losing streak. Um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to add that a little bit, but I, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, I, that was their second only their second back-to-back win on the road this year. So they had actually won their previous road game right before this. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that there's something to the effect that it can be attributed to the one-dimensionality of the Mavericks roster and, uh, you know, strictly personnel-based. Uh, I don't think that the Mavericks necessarily have the wherewithal to be able to throw a guy like Jamichael Green or Jonathan Kaminga and ever – you know, uber athletic younger guy who can attack off a closeout and, you know, has a sort of diversification of things he can do with the ball when he gets inside the paint. The Mavericks just don't have those type of players, right? Even like an Anthony Lamb, uh, he just, just not a guy that's, you know, is limited uh, one dimensionally. He has the ability to, um, you know, be able to Euro step or, you know, do a dump off pass when he gets in the lane. And can we attribute some of that to the, the Warriors developmental staff and their assistant coaches and, just a long withstanding tradition of, um, you know, role fulfillment from uh, off the bench players and, you know, getting some, getting something to the effect of extra offense from those guys that you normally maybe wouldn't squeak out on other staffs. I mean, sure, there may be some credence to that, but at the same time, it, it, we can't attribute a lot of it to the Mavericks one dimensionality and um, their inability to, you know, have, a complement of players that can do something of that, that sort, you know, they, they just don't have that personnel, but, you know, Steve Curry is a mastermind and the, the amount of off ball actions that he runs throughout a game. Um, well, I think honestly stand fairly timeless throughout this era of the NBA in terms of um, how offensively diverse it is. Uh, but, you know, that withstanding 
the Mavericks still do not have probably the personnel. You know, they don't have a top seven pick in Kaminga or, you know, lottery talent in DiVincenzo. Uh, guys that can just fill in the gaps and do just a little bit more than that three and T or that three and D label tag that they're, um, that, that, that kind of gets cast on some of these guys. So I, I, do, I would probably concur with you there. Otherwise, what do you, what do we see from the Mavericks in the second half? I mean, I, honestly, like I just thought it was more of the same from the first half uh, where we continually saw those, those holes on defense being exploited by the Warriors. The Warriors did go to perhaps a little box in one or a zone at some times. And the, and the Mavericks were able to actually diagnose that fairly well. I, I think Luca picked that apart pretty well and was able to find the gaps in the defense, but schematically speaking, did we see anything really different in the second half or was it, was it just more, more in the same from that first half? Yeah. I mean, I think that this, as much of a copy paste first half into the second half, I think if, if you want to sum it up into that, that's pretty much what it was. I didn't see any sort of adjustments um, pretty much from either team. You know, the Warriors are winning the point margin by halftime and I didn't feel like they had to make any adjustments. The Mavericks, of course, defensively had to make some huge adjustments and I just felt like none of those were either addressed or even made um, in that locker room. I do know uh, Jeff and Gundy, who's quick to point this out, that they they played a box in one zone, as you pointed out. Um, and they also played, uh, I, I think it was just a regular scheme zone. One, it um, was one, two, two. Yeah, one, two, two. They played yeah. through a very, uh, like, literally like three plays. Yeah, they, yeah, I was like, they didn't play it long. Uh, and I, I think Luca's ability to dissect that so quickly kind of deferred them from that. And I know that, you know, they've played it throughout spurts of this season. Just I don't think they've played it like, you know, necessarily every game, but um, in a game where there's a lot of points being scored, I don't blame them for trying it. Yeah, um, I mean, especially with the rim pressure that the Mavericks yeah. uh, were putting on. It, it just the, given the Warriors are a smaller team, I think that that's something that, uh, you know, when Looney isn't out there on the floor, they, they may defer to at certain times. You know, he can't play the whole game. Uh, when they do have to run those really small lineups with like Kaminga at center or something of that elk. But nonetheless, um, it it was kind of quickly blown apart. What did you think of – because, you know, we kind of just alluded to the offensive and defensive perspectives of this game in the second half were uh, just kind of more at large the same for both teams – what did you think about the Mavericks losing the rebounding battle so handily? The Warriors had 44 rebounds tonight. The Mavericks had 31. Uh, the Mavericks had eight offensive rebounds. The Warriors had 11. And Kevon Looney, his ability to man the interior without picking up any fouls. He was only, uh, you know, no turnovers, just uber efficient, um, playing within a scheme, boxing out, doing all the little things. Is there something to the effect that, you know, as good as a guy like Looney is, you know, he is only like 6'9", you know, 240, 250. He can't do everything by himself. Is there something to the effect that the Mavericks just don't have enough uh, sort of consolidation from some of these guys in terms of their ability to try and box out and help on some of these rebounds? Are, are we looking at this as more of a personnel issue, uh, like some of the maybe the defensive issues, or is this just more strictly effort-based because the Warriors had – let me check how many second chance points they had last night, but I know that it was a uh, pretty solid amount here. It's not pulling up, but if you would. Uh, no, yeah, I, 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 I do know in terms of second chance points, they did have a pretty penny compared to us. Um, I, I think, again, you know, this is just sort of a mix of both. You know, effort was put onto an absolute premium on the Warrior side, and I don't think it was necessarily addressed on the Mavericks side of things. 
Um, we saw Luca, you know, he usually has his effort issues on defense. We saw him have his effort issues uh, multiple times throughout that game and necessarily, or, and particularly on the offensive boards and, or not offensive boards, but just in the rebounding category in general. Um, I, I think that there was multiple other guys, Christian Wood, um, a lot of the bigs, um, even Reggie Bullock at times, like guys were somehow, you know, coming out on the perimeter and still grabbing ex- interior rebounds uh, on that warrior squad. I, I think, yes, you know, the simple answer is, you know, we just don't have the size. We don't have the guys to, you know, put a body on Kevon Looney or uh, some of these other bigs around the league. Like, and that's true. We don't have that sort of size or strength on that side of things. But at the same time, you know, we saw this team <clears throat> last year, they put in so much effort that, you know, they somehow got a top five defense. Yes, it was exposed um, during that Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, ironically. Um, but even still, I think in a one-game scenario where, you know, we know how much this game means, uh, you know, uh, in that locker room, I assume that they were, uh, vol- or like, saying the same exact things that we were thinking in our head. But like, important game, you know, nine games left after this season. Of course, this is a battle between seven and six seed, playing whatever every, you know, narrative that you can go into, whatever. Um, I just didn't, felt like throughout the game, we didn't see that. It kind of seemed like it melted throughout that first quarter. Um, as soon as we realized, you know, what we were dealing with, whatever it was, um, I think we just got in our heads and the effort sort of fell apart throughout the game. Uh, yes, like I said, you know, you can, you know, the players that we have, the personnel that we have, you can't necessarily, you know, put the best pressure on the boards. But in an effort scenario, you have to at least try. And I feel like we didn't see any of that. So I would I would allude it to a mixing of both effort and, you know, just not having the personnel to do those, or I guess just to have that work down low. I think the effort seems spotty from this Mavericks team yeah. at times because we saw a guy in Reggie Bullock tonight, you know, really have some of the best screen navigation out of any defender guarding Steph Curry I've seen all season. Um, I mean, he was – on his ass for lack of a better term. And he was really fighting through a lot and, you know, was really trying to hinder Curry at the point of attack to really as much of an effect as I've seen anybody guard him all season. And Josh Green, you know, while we still may have the you know preemptive closeouts and, you know, the over fouling and just some of, some of that just sort of untamed or even overt aggression for, for all of that, uh, kind of kept in mind he did have a lot of 50 50 balls that he won I mean I can re- uh, remember obviously that one play in the third quarter where he got the Mavericks like two or three possessions just uh, by knocking rebounds out of guys hands uh, when the Warriors were on the other side of the court and you know he created like two possessions for that then Dwight Powell created a possession and, the, and then he hit a three at the top of the key which was like a huge energy momentum play obviously didn't end up mattering but there, there were, there are efforts in spots. I mean, we even saw Luca get into a defensive stance and use the baseline to his advantage for a few, um, for a few errant turnovers that he forced uh, from the Warriors. So, like, there, there is effort from this team. It just seems it's spottish, and it's not consistent. Uh, do you think that that lies on the players for that consistency to be really be harnessed, or is that something that lies more so on the coach? I mean, you know, I forget what the motto was in the locker room last year. It was like chemistry and, you know, accountability or something like that. Uh, I feel like, you know, this year, a completely different squad, of course, and a completely different feeling around the locker room. But you still have to say you still have to, you know, keep those same morals, keep those same values. Like, I, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> the I, I guess the best way to put it is the good vibes of last year have just completely diminished. 
the team's morals, you know, DNA, playing hard, whatever it is, you know, it, it's sort of falling apart. It's sort of out the doors. And yes, you know, as you said that, you know, yes, this team does play in spurts. This, play, this team does have its moments of energy throughout a game, but it's not, you know, full gas pedal for 48 minutes out of the game. It, it's not any of that. And I feel like we saw that last year and that's why they made that incredible run to the Western Conference finals. But, you know, is there a game this year where they've played all 48 minutes and put in solid effort? Like, like, seriously, like, do you really think there's a game this year? Uh, maybe some of the blowouts. I don't, or maybe, just I, like, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's not any, like, you know, in a close game scenario, especially where, you know, your, your, your throat or your uh, foot is on the throat the whole entire game, you know, like, yes, it's a close game and you're, you're notching it out, but I don't know. This team just doesn't have that sort of physicality anymore. Uh, I don't know if it's a coaching staff thing for me, you know, I look at it, I see it more as a player perspective thing. Um, you know, Luca, I mean, I think it starts at the top with accountability of him. Uh, I'm not going to point out specific things because I feel like we've done that, you know, time and time again this year, but um, I feel like it starts at the top and then it starts to do down. You know, your leaders are, mean everything. Uh, I forget who's on the leadership council, but um, you know, I think the leadership council is completely dissolved. Is it? I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think it starts from the top in terms of effort. Um, and just just the little things, you know, whenever the ball's in midair, what can you do to get your body on a man? You know, what can you do to make life easier for either your teammates or for yourself? Uh, I feel like we don't see those little things being done um, necessarily on this team. I, you know, for the Warriors perspective, like that's why they had 44 rebounds compared to our 31 or whatever it was. Um, it's because they do those little things. I just don't think we see this team at a consistent level uh, do those things. And um Whenever they do do them, it, it almost seems like, you know, they can't catch a break. And it at times it seems like it's hurt them in certain ways, just with like Josh Green's over fouling or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think it starts with accountability from the top because uh, I do view this as a player perspective. At the end of the day, like they're the ones playing on the court. You know, Mr. Jason Kidd, he can't do everything. Yes, he's had his fair share of moments. But at the same time, you know, if you're a player in the NBA, I feel like you have to give 100 percent effort. And we haven't seen that. Uh, from the top guys, a.k.a. Luka Doncic. So do you think that this is something that is more effort-based, or do you think that we can attribute this to the Mavericks not having enough of a youthful interjection? They have too many of these old, washed, quote-unquote, one-dimensional role players, i.e. a Reggie Bullock, who simply just do not have the wherewithal uh, to be able to withstand playing balls to the wall for 48 minutes, and it's just – not going to be something that's within their wheelhouse until the playoffs when the games really, really matter. And they sort of have to micromanage that uh, by giving efforts and spurts during the games. Or do you think that this is simply just a mental thing where the Mavericks strictly just don't have the mental aptitude team-wide and that starts from the top with Luca, and they just need to kind of, um, you know, get their underwear out of a bunch and really just get it together and um, start attacking harder. Or do you think that they're kind of just, they have too many of these guys who they're overextending and they're, they're going to be burnt out by the playoffs. And that's the reason that they're sort of having to manage their effort that way. No, I mean, I, I view this purely as an effort uh, stand, you know, we saw these sort of older teams, older veteran teams, you know, they're able to do so many things and more uh, compared to this Dallas Mavericks team. I, I mean, yes, this Mavericks team have its ha has its holes and we know those holes, you know, they're, they're pretty much exposed every night. Um, but even still, you know, effort, something that, you know, is not coached and, you know, 
I think the the sort of feeling around this team is, you know, yes, they're not counted out yet, but this has been a, a rough season, quote unquote, because I think there are so much more expectations or so many more expectations for this team. Um, and, you know, they've clearly not lived up to those values. Uh, so me personally, I think that this is a locker room problem. This is something, you know, inside the heads of, you know, all the players in the Mavericks or maybe not all of them, but a, a lot of players, you know, I, I think that they're going through this thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe this possession doesn't matter when in reality, you know, one possession topples on a two and then four and then whatever it is. And it just trickles down. And that's how you lose a basketball game like this, especially, you know, one where it's so close. So I, I view this more as an effort problem. So do you think the Mavericks are just, they're not in the category of where you would diagnose them as so old that it's, it's not, you know, directly attributed to their role players that they're experiencing these woes because they're just like too burnt out at this point in the season. You, you would say that they have enough youth on this team to where they can counteract that. Um, and everybody should still be applying at least a baseline level of effort. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yes, this team, you know, it doesn't have amazing draft capital like the Memphis Grizzlies or New Orleans Pelicans. Yes. They don't have those players in terms of, you know, youngness quality, but you know, you have Josh Green, Jane Hardy, Luka Doncic. Uh, I mean, Christian Wood, like these are guys on the younger side of things. Um, so I, I don't think you necessarily effort or I guess just like gas tank should be a problem. If that's what you're trying to say, like, yeah. I don't think that's a problem. You know, yes, you have older players, Reggie Bullock, um i mean maxi he's kind of older now um i mean Kyrie, i guess is in late prime he's 31 yeah like just turned 31 happy birthday by the way um like i i don't think that's a problem you know if you're looking at like an old i think for a championship team it's not a problem because you have to have it doesn't it it can't be well yeah but i mean this isn't a championship team but I, I, i do think that you look across the league and most of those um championship teams have a sort of affect blend of uh you know youthful and older players and they're able to sort of supplement for some of the you know woes that some of those older players may have in terms of the amount of effort that they're able to give and things of that nature um by you know playing their younger players throughout spurts so maybe there's something to the effect that the Mavericks just don't have enough depth uh to be able to relieve some of the burden that those, you know, guys on the wrong side of 30 have to take on like Maxi and Reggie who have been doing that for years on end. But at the same time, I don't know if their, their load is just so stockpiled that um, they, they can't, you know, box out or do certain things, but I, I guess I'm not even talking specifically about Reggie. Cause I mean, he played really good last night, but like for Maxi, for instance, like there, it seems like it's almost a stark contrast game to game from him where like yeah. sometimes he has really good effort rim protection wise. And sometimes it just looks like the injuries and all the wear and tear throughout, you know, however, six years in the NBA kind of catch up to him the points. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very true statement. Like in terms of Maxi, I feel like we've just seen a very different volume of play from him, especially coming back from injury. It's just very different feeling, I guess. Feels like um, every game's different. Yeah. Every game's different. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, simply putting it like that's the best way to tally it. But uh, I, I think, yeah, you know, yes this team they have some older players and they're asking a lot of these older players and I can understand that taking away on them but it's the little things that matter um and this team just doesn't have enough of that you know of course Maxi, he's had his troubles and I you know Reggie I, I think he played 
pretty an amazing basketball game last night, just in terms of what he can do in his role. Um, so I, I think all the all of this talk that we're talking about now in terms of effort, I don't think you know any of that necessarily lays on him. Um, but you know, Justin Holiday, Christian Wood, um, some of these you know younger to older type type guys, like I mean, you know, you're not playing 30 minutes a night, like you should be able to do at least ex, like exert you know a little bit of energy on these sort of you know middle of the play type moments, ones where you know. The ball's on the floor. What are you going to do to get it? I just don't think we've seen enough of that sort of like grittiness from this team. Uh, like there's just no one, I guess, is what the best way to put it. Like, I, I don't know. Like this team is dead in the water. Uh, of course, they're sitting at the ninth spot right now with nine games to play. Um, and I mean, heck, if they lose one more, they could realistically be at the 11th seed. Um, I, what, I think they play tomorrow, Friday against the, the um, Hornets. Hornets, yeah. If they, they lose... play at 730 tomorrow versus yeah. the Hornets and then they play um in charlotte i believe on at sunday for a matinee affair at 12 o'clock on sunday so we're going to be coming to you guys with a podcast after the sunday game because it's a home and home so we'll just over the weekend so we'll just cover it in its entirety versus just microanalyzing two little pitiful hornet games (laughs) um but nonetheless let's go ahead and get into the next sort of you know speaking of youthful interjection let's talk about Jaden hardy last night because This is an individual that throughout large stretches, particularly in that fourth quarter, kept the Mavericks in the game. I think we've covered the defense at nauseum. It was atrocious per usual. Um, But, you know, with Kyrie being out in this one, as we mentioned at the top of the pod, the Mavericks needed that supplementation on the offensive side of things, if that's a word. Um, And Jaden Hardy, uh, at least from a scoring perspective, maybe not a playmaking perspective, as we've said time and time again this season, uh, but he he definitely stepped up to the plate with 27 points, 10 of 18 shooting, six for nine from the three-point line, a career high in terms of threes made for him. He's had, you know, 20-plus point games in seemingly like – Is it four of the last five now? Yeah, I believe four of the last five games he's played in, uh, especially all the games without Kyrie. I mean, yes, you, you still see a plethora of rookie, rookie woes and um, – just sort of errant mistakes uh, that, that could definitely be avoided. But it does seem that he's took a step in terms of the, the progression of his confidence and um, his, his sort of his confidence within himself uh, from an offensive uh, shot creation aspect. He steps into every shot like it's his last, um, and he does – and he, he just seems a little more comfortable getting to the rim. Uh, what, what do you think – because I talked a little about – how his minutes I, I thought should maybe play out in the solo podcast when the Mavericks played the Grizzlies last game and you unfortunately were not able to be there. Um, I talked a little bit about, you know, him playing more and we'll get into his uh, complete offensive diet uh, when we go over players specifically, but do you think that there should be a call for him to see the floor more, even when Kyrie gets back? Do you think that he is the tertiary ball handler or do you think that he's just, just sort of, uh, pseudo offensive spark plug that when we have one of our two stars missing, he can we can sort of ride the coattails of, uh, but he's just not comparable to Kyrie or Luca. Therefore, he shouldn't play in uh, some of these games because we you're just not getting anything from him playmaking wise. I think especially in this game, you know, if you're if you're just looking at this game in like the last few weeks, um, yes, he's played had some amazing games, uh, but if you're just looking at this game. To me, this is a game 
you know, you look at and you're like, okay, this guy can play basketball and not just, you know, from an individual perspective, but from a team perspective, like he was, his team play was really good. He, he filled in his role really well. Like, yes, you know, you still have your rookie woes. Yes. You still have your defensive problems, which, you know, we've seen lag on for the rest of the season and, you know, will continue throughout his career. But, you know, just from a development perspective, like it, he's proven so much already that I feel like you have to give him a role. Uh, even whenever Kyrie's back in the lineup, like, yes, you know, it's a nice youth interjection uh, into a lineup, you know, where Kyrie's missing. Um, yes, you know, I, I, I understand all of that. But at the same time, like, I, I feel like, especially through this last five game stretch, he's proven that he can carve out a role um, and he can sort of notch out himself as this sort of nine uh, slash eight man sort of guy uh, on this team. You think I he's think- that good in like the sort of, you know, the defense that he's played has been good enough to surpass the level of his mistakes, you know, to some degree becoming negligible. And, you know, because I think a main argument for him not playing is that he's just not ready, that the mistakes will come to eat the Mavericks alive, come playoff time if they reach that far. Um, And he may just not be ready for that stage. Do you think that he is now sort of ascended himself into this category where he is a good enough NBA player to uh, play in some of these moments more often than not that he at least, you know, should have a, a, a minute role in the rotation at the very least. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, a minute role, one where he's playing 10 to 15 minutes a game, I would be totally comfortable with that. You know, me personally, you know, he's the, at least this point in his career, like he might get po- played out of a playoff series, but at this point, you know, we're not trying to win a championship here at this moment. At least that's what we've seen from this team. Uh, they can't do that. So I think that, you know, just from that perspective, like play him, develop him a little more. Um, And we've been calling for this for a while now, but just, you know, with this game alone, like I said, like he can play a role off the bench, you know, have that sort of, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, we'll say probably third ball handler or tertiary ball handler. Um, He can play that role and he can play it well, or at least the best guy, the best guy on this team outside of Kyrie and outside of Luca Um, and maybe Josh Green, if you want to fill that in. But um, I, I think, you know, like I said, like he's played this role, really well through this last five game stretch uh and in this game particular um in particular you know we really saw him you know put in a role that we thought we would see from this season and this is i I mean to me this is his best game of the season maybe outside of his 29 point game in utah but in terms of the role that we think we'll be seeing from him this is the best game of the season uh just did everything that was pretty much asked of him um and like i said you know he didn't have any mistakes he didn't have any turnovers in this one maybe some defensive mistakes here and there but uh, on the offensive end of things, you know, we saw his youth play in effect many times, you know, which is some high turnover games or just some stupid plays. Uh, and this was one where, I mean, I don't feel like he had one stupid offense, offensive possession. He may have had, you know, one bad three that he took, but it was a late in shot clock, whatever it was. Uh, but like I said, I think he played this role really well. Um, and I would be intrigued and I would be surprised if uh, he's not given a little more minutes at the very least. Uh, with a minute role, either in that ninth or eighth man spot, whatever you want to put him in at. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think that uh, the work he's put in has paid dividends, and he has earned it to an extent, as proven throughout most of the second half of the season. I mean, I-, I think that, you know, he could still definitely get rattled, and there's still a lot of volatility there in terms of how he could play, given uh, an opposing team's, you know, best defender at the point of attack or other things of that nature. And uh, so, you know, I think they should just operate on a game to game basis with him. You know, if he's having 
if he's struggling and really costing the team, because that's the, the biggest counter argument against him getting minutes. I think that they should, you know, pull him, uh, maybe revoke some of those minutes for the rest of the game. But if he's having a good game, uh, then, you know, let it ride. I, I think that that's the way to do it. Cause I mean, the shooting and the, uh, just the, uh, the athleticism that he can kind of provide on both sides of the ball is truly invaluable. Let's get into some of how these guys played individually, Jaron. Um, you know, I know, we talked about Luca, but I, I want you to just touch up on him a little more. Uh, just some of, you know, before we get into the positives, let's let's hash out all the uh, sort of bad antics uh, from him last night and talk about maybe the potential over complaining to the referees on different foul calls. Um, some of the turnovers he had last night, you know, it was his first game coming off from injury. How do you think he looked athletically, things of that nature? And then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the positives. So what do you think of his game last night, though? I mean, I'll start out with the health factor of it. I didn't feel like that thigh bothered him at all. Like, yes, he did settle on some shots, and I wonder if that was him either, you know, being gassed, like I mentioned at the top of the pod, I, him either being, you know, a little gassed out, just hadn't played in a game in five – or hadn't played a basketball game in five games, or uh, whether that thigh was still bothering him at the slightest bit. But, you know, just from a visual perspective, I didn't feel like we saw him nagging or, you know, doing his usual gruesome uh, walking up the floor. Um, yes, he did have a lot of complaints, and that's, you know, something that we can complain about. Uh, but I, I think from a basketball perspective, like, it was just kind of one of those games where, you know, nothing really fell for him. He took some really tough shots. Um, he had 17 assists. I felt like he finished um, – some really nice plays with some really nice dishes. You know, the one that really reaches out to me is that definitely that one um, where I, he drove inside, went past the hoop and like looked off Reggie and passed it to Josh Green. I think it was Justin Holiday, maybe. Um, I forget who the exact player was. that got the three point ball, but um, he like looked him off and then just passed it straight in the corner. Uh, so I think from that perspective, he was a wizard on that, on that end. Um, and like I said, you know, just some inconsistency, <clears throat> shot making wise uh, led to that weird 11 for 27 shooting. You know, we don't usually see that. He still had 30 points in this game, but defensively uh, too much complaining like that. That's a huge negative too much complaining um, to the referees. I'm surprised he didn't get a technical in this one. If I'm being completely honest, um, and I, it just, I don't know. It kind of deflated the game. It made the game just feel almost like a circus act at points because you were watching him argue with the ref while the play was going on. Like it, it was just distracting, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, I think that's probably my biggest negative, but yeah, I mean, it, offensively, I feel like he had a good game, even though it was a little inconsistent uh, shooting wise, but I, I think from a playmaking value, uh, this was definitely the Luca of old. No, I would definitely agree with you there. He was doing a really good job at his uh, dribble penetration and kick. He was and kicking out. Um, he was, basically the only source of Mavericks offense throughout large stretches of this one, particularly when he was in just from a playmaking perspective. Uh, I mean, he had 17 assists tonight, but I'd be intrigued to see what his potential assists were tonight because he was just doing a lot of, you know, getting to the middle of the floor uh, by virtue of the pick and roll and, you know, swinging those outlet passes to the corners, uh, just getting, deep in the paint and then throwing basically like back backwards, like these Herculean effort type passes to get out to shooters. Not all of those paid dividends, but I mean, he had a lot of really, you know, great Luca esque passes, you know, obviously it's Luca, but I mean, yeah, he, he was really good from that perspective tonight. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think he struggled a bit shooting wise um, and had some, a few clumsy turnovers when he kind of just maybe should have been a little more keen and uh, even keel in some of those moments. And yeah, defensively, there's obviously a lot of kind of complaining to the refs and not getting back on defense. He had a few good defensive possessions when he had to guard guys man up. Uh, but otherwise, it wasn't the best game from him from that perspective. But I wouldn't say he had a terrible game. I think that he played good enough to where the Mavericks could still win. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that there's any one person to blame for this loss. But he definitely plays a role in some aspects. But uh, positively, he also plays a lot of roles um, in how close the Mavericks fared in this one. What did you think of Dwight Powell's game tonight? You know, obviously, throughout large stretches of this game, being guarded uh, by a smaller loony who is a really good switch defender. Um, but, you know, he's not your typical, your stereotypical drop coverage center who can just kind of clog up the paint, prevent any sort of role game from Powell. Uh, do you think he was able to use his his wit and his quickness at times uh, to be able to sort of dwell and probe in that dunker spot and get a few uh, sort of smart layups? Because I, I thought he did a fairly decent job of that tonight, just being, uh, being there and having, you know, ready and willing hands uh, to when – you know, off some of those dribble penetrations uh, from, you know, Mavericks role players where possessions just seem to kind of go dead. Um, but, and so what, yeah, what did you think of that offensively? And what do you think of how he played defensively? Uh, it kind of seems like for every guy that we'll name on this list, or I guess that played last night, uh, pretty good offense and bad defense outside of Reggie Bullock. But in terms of Dwight Powell, I, I think it was definitely a, a very noticeable case of that. Uh, offensively, I felt like he's able to you know work off the pick and roll really well and we know he's a, a brilliant pick and roll uh roller i guess is the best way to put it like he, he's really good at rolling off the pick and rolls um he was able to catch most of his 13 points off of those lobs um even getting to the foul line occasionally um and, and yeah i mean that was really just his best way like this was the first game where i think i saw him being extremely aggressive on the offensive end because uh, usually you know He's offensive on the glass or uh, aggressive on the glass and he'll do his usual, you know, three to four pump fakes and then finally put it up and get to the foul line. Or just try um, to swat the rebound yeah. because he can't grab it. Yeah, because he can't grab it. Yeah, which we saw multiple of those. But um, I think that this is one where he actually went to the rim with, you know, force and, you know, Kavon Looney is not the, the best shot blocker um, in the league. And I think he was able to dictate that. But defensively was, I don't know, just getting caught. Uh, out of place you know either not playing far enough up on you know sort of pick and rolls or playing too far up on pick and rolls and getting caught with his back to the basket um I, I think there was just a little mix of both and it was a I guess the best way to put it is it was just a, a yeah. usual Dwight Powell defensive game yeah I mean there were just a lot of misrotations and mishaps from uh the you know, perspective of him trying to, you know, sift through all those pick and roll coverages and uh, when he was trapping on guys, things of that nature, just a lot of miscommunications team-wide. So uh, I think that he was still definitely a guy that suffered from that aspect of things, as did a lot of other Mavericks tonight. What did you think of Reggie Bullock? I think that he was probably the best role player on the Mavericks tonight. In my opinion, he went five for seven from three, five for eight from the field, just did a really good job uh, rotating and replacing on offense. Um, and getting to his spots and making threes, being ready. And defensively, you know, we had already talked at the beginning of the pod how good he was chasing down Curry. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of his best all-around individual performances. Uh, he stuck Curry to 20 points. Like, yes, we did have to double-team on him a lot of times, but 
Uh, even still, I think Reggie from an individual individual perspective was able to stick on him most of the time um, and limit Curry, you know, with his usual off ball movements. I think Reggie Bullock did a really good job of just kind of, you know, playing the glue man, playing as, as close as he could to Curry um, as possible. And that's exactly what we saw out of him. And, you know, offensively, uh, his ability to sort of rotate and find the pockets um, around the three point line, he was doing that to an absolute premium last night. Uh, getting around the, you know, around the arc, get, uh, getting in his usual wing or corner spots and able to knock down some easy threes. Um, I, I don't think, yeah, he didn't even have a single, like, I, I think he had one two-point attempt and it was off of like a, he just had to kind of throw it up. But uh, just a usual, I guess like a, a perfect Reggie Bullock three-point shooting night, uh, five for seven, as we mentioned. And um, yeah, I mean, this is the total effort performance from Reggie, uh, one where, you know, all other nine guys on this team or other eight guys on this team didn't really have that. And he was able I mean, to, I thought, Joel, I thought Josh and Dwight play had good effort tonight. I just think that defensively they're um, sort of in position rather um, kind of screwed them over at times, but I think that they did have good effort, but I think Reggie coupled with, you know, how, how good he was positionally on defense as well as his effort, uh, you know, voted for him to have this, five of eight shooting night, as well as a really good defensive night. What did you think of how Maxi Kleber played tonight? You know, we've seen a sort of a little drop, I guess, in offensive aggression after he hit that game winner the other day with the Lakers um, in the ensuing, I guess, two games since then. Uh, he had four points tonight and, you know, he had a, a few decent defensive possessions um, in the half court, in half court settings where, you know, he was prompted to have to guard guards. Um, and he had to switch on to guys, but he, he, he kind of looked as if he was kind of getting, um, he was kind of getting exploited from a rim protection standpoint. And it seemed as if some of those weak side rim protection shot blocking abilities uh, just weren't as prominent. And he kind of looked a step slow tonight on that, on that end of things. And uh, it, coupled with that, you know, really just not the most aggressive offensive game went one for three for three. Uh, what do you think of his game tonight? He did play 29 minutes, you know, continue. The Mavericks continue to run that starting lineup of Doncic, Green, Powell, Bullock, and Kleber. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kleber had like, you know, not the best of games. One where on the defensive side of things, he was kind of caught lacking at times. Um, yes, whenever he was switched onto a smaller guy, uh, I felt like he was able to, you know, confine or I guess like uh, alleviate some of the the problems that the Mavericks have been having. Um, but even still from a, a rim rolling per, or not rim rolling from a rim protection standpoint, um, I, I felt like it was just one where he was caught, you know, outside of the pocket or, you know, guys were able to easily work off ball around him. Um, I think he just kind of stuck to a point and didn't really move and got stuck. As I said, you know, it just got, looked like he got stuck in mud at times. Um, uh, you know, like I said, just getting caught in the pockets, uh, not being able to rotate, uh, just the simple things, I think, is what we saw, you know, his negatives. Uh, offensively, you know, not the biggest offensive production out of him, if anything. I mean, he had two offensive rebounds. He's able to keep some possessions alive. But outside of that, I really didn't see much from him offensively. And as I mentioned, defense, just a little, you know, I don't know. It's just it's out of the norm from what we've seen from Maxine. It's kind of concerning at this point. Yes, he had that, you know, one buzz reader in L.A. But I don't know. To me, it, this is almost getting to concern level. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I think I would say. Yeah, I feel like more often than not, I mean, he's, it's not like every single game is a defensive albatross, but I do think like more often than not, he's having these, you know, probably like 60% of the time, it's more of these 
stuck in the mud, quote unquote, defensive games, as you denoted, uh, versus, you know, those active hands and um, very athletically inclined games. So I, I would definitely concur with you from that standpoint. What did you think of Josh Green tonight? How he, you know, obviously provided some of that uh, spry youthfulness to the Mavericks that we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast with his ability to, you know, come off curl offs and run hard. Um, he did at least look, I think, a little bit better defensively uh, compared to some of his games of recent. Um, you know, it, it kind of looked like he was slipping all over the place at times, but the effort and the uh, just positionality of him looked a little bit better, even though it wasn't as um, as much of a pre as much to a premium as it was at one point in this season. And I thought offensively, I mean, he made two threes. Uh, he kind of just, you know, he did a really good job playing his role to a T and he ran transition for a few ones. I thought it was a pretty good game from him personally. Uh, and we haven't really seen like a sort of just, I, I don't feel like we've seen the full array of what he can do on the court in a few games from the perspective that we haven't had a game where he's put, you know, both the offense and defense together. But in this one, you know, I, I think we got sort of a semblance of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I will admit I did fail to mention that he was, he did have a lot of effort moments. And in particular, he did have that one play where, uh, as you mentioned before, he had that play where he's able to have like three offensive rebounds and then finally hit the three at the top of the key. Um, I, I think from Josh Green, it, it was one, it was a weirder game from him just in the sense that I felt like he was caught out of position at times, um, whether it was just due to overaggression or sometimes even, you know, being a little too passive. Uh, I felt like we haven't seen that enough or said that enough, but I, I think most of it, majority of it was just being overaggressive. Uh, from an offensive perspective, you know, he definitely had his woes, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the whole confident issues or, or could it be confidence or could it be, you know, him just taken out of basketball, whatever it is. I think that those you can put to bed. Um, I, I feel like we've definitely seen a much more cleaner game from him um, over these last few games. Um, and yeah, in this one, you know, just an efficient four from eight from the field, two for three from the three point line, um, finished with 12 points in this one. I, I think, you know, this was one of his better all around games that we've seen, at least in a while. Uh, I still feel like there's more he could have done. And of course, you know, you can say that about a lot of guys, but I, I think there was more that he could have done defensively. Uh, but even still, in a game where defense was very lackluster through this squad, um, he was, you know, one of the few bright spots or uh, uh, not bright. Um, what's the best way? Like deeming or dimming light spots. Well, dimly lit. The, yeah, dimly lit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was one of the very few, you know, of that moment in this game. So I, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to say he had a horrible game or anything like that. But yeah, it was definitely in terms of defense probably had the the second best uh, one outside of Reggie. Yeah, no, I would probably tend to agree with you from that perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just got to do a little bit better on the from a screen navigation standpoint and, you know, staying stout and playing back a little bit more. I mean, he was doing so good at that this season. He's probably one of the top defenders. You know, I thought he was the top defender in the Mavericks. I think Reggie Bullock has almost surpassed him from that aspect this season. Um, but you know, just the, the imposition, things of that nature. He's got a patch up. I don't know where exactly those woes came from, whether it be, you know, getting um, rescinded from the starting lineup uh, for that little stretch there in route for Justin Holiday playing more minutes, or if it was, you know, just maybe a confidence thing or him taking uh, more control of the offense and his defense kind of 
falling off a little bit because of that. But nonetheless, you know, I, I feel like we're going to get patched up a little more each game. So we'll see how that fares. What did we see from the Mavericks bench tonight, um, particularly starting with Christian Wood and how he played? I thought he was pretty, uh, pretty aggressive in this one and it, it boded well for him. But he also had uh, a few defensive woes, especially rotationally. So what did, what did you think of? his overall game tonight and Jason Kidd's confidence yet again to, to close with him in this one after he was playing relatively well offensively. Yeah. I mean, from an offensive perspective, I felt like he had a really good game. You know, he finished with 19 points and an efficient five from 10 from the field. Uh, he got majority of his points at the free throw line going nine for 11 from there. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of offense, this was one of his better games. He was able to work in the four, the three on four situation or uh, the short roll situations. Um, he was able to do that late in game. Um, even, you know, sort of playmake out of that at times. He finished with four assists. Yeah, four assists in this one. Um, I think that's one of his, you know, more higher games in that, uh, in that sense. But uh, I think it was a really good Christian Wood game in terms of that. Yes, you know, defensively, he was caught out of position at times. He was caught, you know, either not rotating or caught ball watching. So I think, you know, from an offensive perspective, this was one of his better games. And then from a defense perspective, I mean, this was – I think this is the type of game that Jason Kidd wants uh, out of him just because, you know, it's total, it, it's a good excuse to not put him in late game, but we did see him late game after all. Um, and, you know, he had some nice moments of rotating, being there uh, whenever you know, playing up on Steph Curry in a, a sort of pick and roll situation, um, whatever it was, but at other times, you know, he was caught having his back to the rim or not back to the rim, but having his like back to the player, uh, that dream on green and one really speaks out to me late in game uh, where he kind of just got like rotated around. Um, and by the end of it, he was staring at the rim and, you know, committed the foul, of course. But I, I think just in terms of that, like, it, yes, it was a, a pretty solid game out of him, but just defensively, I think it was um, the usual Christian, not usual. I think that this is honestly one of his worst games, but um, yeah. it wasn't a very good defensive game out of Christian Wood. Yeah, we also have to recognize that they didn't really play him as those those two big lineups that we've so highly coveted as of recently. They were playing him as the lone big in a lot of scenarios and sort of leaving him. Um, and I'm not trying to vouch for him from this perspective. Like, he's obviously got to do a better job. But they, they were definitely – there's something to the effect that they were uh, kind of just leaving him up for uh, fresh pickings at the rim at times, given, you know, his inability to flip his hips and stay vertical in a lot of those possessions. So that, that definitely came to his detriment throughout large stretches of this game, um, just his overall rim protection woes. Uh, but he did do a good job guarding smalls and space throughout sometimes in this game. Um, I would have liked to see them play him and Maxi together a little bit more, especially down the stretch. I think that that's their best bet if they do want to close with Christian Wood, but kind of was what it was. It wasn't particularly a game I had too many gripes. Uh, rotationally at least with but yeah otherwise were there any other Mavericks that you really wanted to uh, hone in on tonight I feel like we have talked about Jaden Hardy quite a bit in this one already but if you'd like to speak to the ways in which he was scoring uh, from an actual on-court perspective uh, then you have the floor uh, just you want to talk about his shooting um, his his offensive shot diet things of that nature uh, yeah, I mean, over this last few games stretch, like I feel like we've we've seen him hit a, a, the three point shot at an insane volume. Um, you know, able to knock down a consistent amount and also just at a, a really good clip. Uh, he of course went six and nine in this game. I think we've pointed that out before, but um, yeah, I mean, in, in this one, he was just able to be in the right place. But that's just his rotational aspect. 
Um, he's not a guy that you can stick in a corner and expect to stay there like a Reggie Bullock or uh, Justin I mean, Holiday. He's admittedly a, a much better catch and shoot yeah, player yeah. than I think he would probably get credit for if we were when we were looking at him pre-draft. He's not just this strict uh, guy that has to have the ball in his hands at all times to make plays. He can act as a spot up shooter or a guy that needs to attack off a closeout. And I think that that's kind of as we have alluded to, kind of his way to get minutes on the floor he can be more of this complimentary tertiary ball in order when need be you know he, he fills in the gaps more there when Luca and Kyrie are out and you know particularly in this one when Kyrie was out he had to do a little more of that off the bench but uh, I mean majority of his you know 18 of his 27 points were uh, a lot of those were off spot up threes yeah. or you know guys going under him and him just sinking it over guys on the top you know only about four of his field goals were off of like drives or uh, you know, there's like a transition hesitation he kind of pulled off. So, I mean, just him, his ability to serve as a role player in his younger years, but I could also see him, you know, leading the charge to be a star is that sort of plug and play aspect that you hope from any rookie. And, and I think we're seeing it from him early on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the very best, like this guy, you know, we can see him make some off ball movements, get to the spot. Uh, and then just sort of be in the right place at the right time. Uh, and all that in due part to off-ball movements. Uh, I think that's what we kind of saw out of him. Um, yes, you know, he had his tertiary ball or uh, the, like sort of ball handling moments. He was able to get to the hole um, a few times and able to make some shots. But just from a pure, you know, three-point evaluation, like his, his three-point shots weren't, you know, weren't bad. I feel like with Reggie Bullock, we're caught up in, you know, him just – making or missing the three it's him you know yes he has an open three now can he make it uh with hardy it kind of seemed like he was able to get to the spot to make it um and not just through dribbling or anything like that but through off ball movements as i alluded to um i think that we saw a good diet of that and uh, to me he proved that you know he can carve out not even sort of a star role but just a role player sort of you know, summation of his career, not even at this stage in his career yeah even at this yeah greatly put it um yeah and i think and just, just in terms of that, he's made me a, a wee bit confident, uh, at least for the the gloomy uh, future of this Maverick squad. So uh, I was I was really intrigued with what I saw out of him tonight. And, and I think, like I said, you know, from a role player's perspective, that this was his best game, but uh, definitely doesn't amount to what he did in Utah uh, earlier this year. Yeah. What did you think about Justin Holliday? He's the last guy we'll get into, but he he went two for six tonight. I thought he ran the floor well, and he, I thought he played some decent defense. He's one of the guys that is just, you know, ever savvy in terms of, you know, being able to keep up with movement and rotation. I, I think he's one of the better Mavericks defenders from that perspective. Uh, he got 23 minutes tonight after not seeing the floor and Frank playing over him in that Memphis game. Uh, so I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that at all or how that sort of situation has seemingly unfolded here. Uh, but what do you think about that sort of last – I mean, if, if we're considering Hardy the last guy or Justin Holiday, I don't really know. But what do you think about that last, last sort of 3-and-D spot in the rotation, uh, how Justin Holiday played tonight? And, you know, would you would you want more Frank minutes versus him? Or how do you sort of look at that situation? I mean, I, I feel like we've seen, uh, you know, a, a, a good amount of Frank Nielakina moments that, like, we know what he can offer. Uh, his – surprise I think it was the Grizzlies game where he just came out and made like three threes or something like that um like that's a little bit of a surprise if we could see more of that I would definitely be more intrigued of involving him more over Justin Holiday 
But at this point in the season, just because of the defense, yeah, just upside yeah. and the youth and the things of that nature. But yeah, I mean, at this point in the season, I, I would think probably tend to value his holidays consistency. Yeah, that is that, uh, that's I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, yes, holiday doesn't bring a, an absolute punch on offense. But but when he's in for three, I mean, he, oh, yeah, he doesn't yeah. mix it like he's, he's a really good three point shooter whenever he's on. He just um, it's like only like one out of four games that, you know, he'll, he'll always get his complimentary one that he you know, one or two threes that he makes or a transition layup or something like that. But, you know, it's only like every four or five games where you see him score double digits or actually, you know, really go off. And that that you just kind of the sort of volatility versus him, I guess, compared to like a Reggie Bullock or a guy who's a little more consistent is, is pretty evident. And that's maybe even though why he's better defensively at times, why we see him sink uh, so far in the lineup. But I mean, yeah, that's really all I got from his perspective, decent game from him. He filled in the gaps. Yeah, filled in the gaps. Um, are there any guys from the Warriors? You know, I know we talked a lot about their offensive processes in this one, but if there's any guys that you would like to highlight or, you know, talk about how their game evolved in this one, by all means, uh, you know, you can go for it. I felt like Jonathan Kaminga did his annual lighting up at the Dallas Mavericks uh, venue tonight or last night. Uh, he had like, I think a team high, yeah, team high 22 points. Nah, I mean, he looked like he could be a superstar. Yeah, like, yeah, game. like he looked crazy good and crazy. He all did it. Too. Yeah. And, and kind of as we, in the same vein that we talked about Hardy, uh, Kaminga did all of this, not necessarily needing the ball in his hands. He was, you know, they're, they're doing some different things with in the way in which they're exploiting his talent, which has been really interesting. They ran split action with him as the guy in the post. Uh, it's typically something that Draymond Green is going to be assigned to doing he also you know made a few corner threes ran out in transition plays insane on ball defense I know I said that um oh it was Jeff Van Gundy that said that in the broadcast he said Wiggins and Gary Payton are probably their two best perimeter defenders but now in hindsight I mean it might be I completely disregard Draymond and that was just podcasting malpractice by myself so i'll i'll have to feel ashamed i should yes he's obviously number one even at this stage in his career but i mean kaminga may have a he may have a case against those guys he's a good he's a good case to be he's pretty yeah he's um he's really good at sliding his feet and basically all the he's like the sort of honed in bigger version of josh green defensively yeah in in a sense yeah and I mean, he did a hell of a job defending Luca throughout stretches in this game. I mean, nobody can stop Luca, but he, there were some times where he really put some pressure out there on him. And I mean, I don't know. I'm just very, very impressed by his uh, feel for the game and his ability to play within a system because Golden State's not a place where he's going to go and, you know, just be thrusted into this position where, you know, it's like, all right, take the ball. Let's see what you got. How, let's see, maybe one day you can become the next Paul George. I mean, no, like he's, you know, acting as a role man in four and three scenarios, running split action, uh, being a guy that's moving around the arcing threes from the corner, getting out in transition, running and scoring 22 points in route to that. It, it's very impressive from his perspective. Anthony Lamb, I thought, had a good game, you know, offensive rebounding uh, a couple times and just being a gritty kind of hustle player. He kind of returned to the lineup for them over the past month or so. Uh, Jamichael Green, you know, always a really savvy veteran. I liked his ability to cut and uh, make threes for a long time. He plays good defense too. He can play a small ball five role. Jordan Poole really uh, jettisoned a sort of a run from them in the third and fourth quarter where he really started getting to his bag. And uh thing with Jordan Poole, man, I mean, and this is kind of the guy that we kind of see Hardy growing into right now. Yeah. In a sense, we're seeing like that late season evolution 
of what Poole had in 2021 with Hardy right now, where all of a sudden, you know, he's got that rookie year out the way. He's just hopping onto the scene. It's this, you know, new premium, uh, uber efficient scoring young player. But I think that they both, you know, and I know Hardy's better defensively. I don't think there's any sort of a debate there, but I do think that the uh, contrast that we can kind of look at there is just the, the way in which you know, you're the volatility of these guys and how they're scoring, like pool can, you know, be having an off game. And when he looks off, he looks like really off. I mean, that's kind of the same way with Hardy yep. uh, when he can't find a shot or anything, but uh, when pool starts cooking, you're like, you know, how is this guy not better than Steph Curry? Because uh, the way he's able to kind of synchronize into some of those pick and rolls and um, really just, you know, get, you know, re really savvy um, and in his bag when he's having to, uh, you know, play make and dribble at the top of the key. Uh, that, that was very prominent last night. So um, other than that, uh, you know, Moses Moody didn't get a whole lot of run. Uh, I thought DiVincenzo, you know, he shot, he went four for 10 from three. Um, but other than that, Clay wasn't near as a, much of a threat after making two early threes, which I thought was really interesting, but it definitely seems like he's a little bit more spry and athletic yeah. than he was at the beginning of the season. He has his legs underneath him. Like he's still proving he can be a lethal player at this stage in his career, which is good. You know, we talked about Looney Draymond. He did a hell of a game last night, uh, just from an offensive perspective, he was attacking in the four on three, you know, knowing when to go up for a layup or knowing when to uh, dish out. And he just played a Jack of all trades, great Draymond game, 14, eight, three, and four. I mean, that's a, uh, that's, that's championship winning. That, that's right that's champion championship dreamer. That's yes, <laughs> and Steph did a really good job playmaking, even though the Mavericks did limit some of his offensive production. But you know, a lot of it just came down to a lot of defensive mistakes that the Mavericks made. I just another depressing loss in the and you know, as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, the Mavericks are now ninth in the West. Yay! And they are a game in a basically a game out of falling out of the play in entirely, but like two games essentially out of winning the six seed. So yes, it is ever still log jammed and uh, very sort of a huge conglomerate of just a ton of teams there for six or 12 seeds. But with only nine games left, I mean, some teams have easy schedules, some teams don't, you know, the Mavericks play the Hornets two out of their, and their two next games, but it, it still is not easier. There's, they're going to be placing, facing a lot of desperate teams, even if they don't have the, necessarily the best record. Uh, what, what are we forecasting for the Mavericks as we approach the uh, waning stretch of the season? Are they going to be able to recover from this? You know, when once they do get fully healthy and will they get ever fully healthy? I got I got the full scoop right here. The Mavericks go three and six, miss the play in tournament, have the 10th best odds and finish 11th in the draft. And we lose the draft pick and we just get absolutely F-U-C-K for the next future. I got it. That's, uh, that's probably what's going to happen, but. It is pretty depressing times over here, and we, we just need a direction to be picked. Um, I obviously know all of us want the Mavericks to get to the playoffs and perform as well as possible in year one or half of year one of Luka and Kyrie, if it goes beyond this, who knows. Um, but they just need to make the playoffs or, you know, if they make the play in, get their way out of it somehow. If they don't do that, the next best alternative is always obviously trying to keep their pick and, you know, getting a top 10 draft pick, but it's not as simplistic as that. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, antics and optics that come with tanking that I don't know how keen the front office and the coaching staff would be to, um, as well as the fan base, you know, especially as we micromanage this Kyrie situation. Yeah. But it'll be really interesting to 
for C as we kind of uh, just dread out these last nine games because yeah. <laughs> there's no other – I mean, we say the same thing at the end of the podcast. Every win is really important at this stage, especially this game, and they dropped it. It sucks, and we move on to the next one after the Hornets game, and we're just on a case-by-case basis seeing <laughs> how this team finishes at this point because – I mean, only God knows. It's in God's hands at this point, Jared. Yeah, I mean, we really don't know. <laughs> I'm, done, I'm done fretting over their position because they could be anywhere from 8 to 12 and or really 6 to 12. And if, if you – it'll just eat you up, man. I mean, I they could easily go 9-0 and 0 when Luka and Kyrie come back. If they just have the offensive performance of the century or their defensive holes could eat them alive. So, these last nine games will be telling for how we view this team going into the offseason. I'll say that much. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. All right. Uh, nonetheless, though, we will catch you guys in the next one, which will be Sunday night after and we'll be covering the Hornets home and home. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Maz, where we live tweet post updates of every game. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you are listening on. We really appreciate it. If you guys could give us a five star review and um, comment uh, on that review, just what you like or don't like about the podcast. We appreciate all feedback. Uh, especially if you guys have listened this far in the podcast, it does mean a lot. If you guys are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to us, Mainstream Mavs Podcast on YouTube. Uh, give us a like and comment down below. Um, will Michael Jordan still be in attendance for the Mavericks game, even though he is sold, he is in talks to potentially sell a majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets? Will he still be in, atten- um, in attendance? Will Miles Bridges oh. make a surprise attend? <laughs> make a surprise his girlfriend. Stop! Stop! <laughs> make a surprise appearance to the Mavericks um, game versus the Hornets, which I guess the Char- the one in Charlotte is going to be on Sunday. So yeah, um, they're playing at the AAC on Friday night. Am I correct in that assumption? Yippee. I do believe you. Are yes, correct. yes. Yeah. So they are. Um, so that I was talking more so for the Sunday game, but. Uh, what sort of uh, optics are we going to be seeing at the uh, Hornets Arena? Uh, uh, do you even know that? I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, uh, I got to search this up now, guys. I apologize. <laughs> this is. I was like, I don't even know the stadium. Yeah. Um, I, I had it down. Oh, the Spectrum, Spectrum Center. Center. We knew that. Yes. Uh, Spectrum, actually, one of the few broadcasting uh, TV providers that you can watch Valley Sports Southwest on. Otherwise, you probably have to buy the Valley Sports Southwest app. Like dedicated podcasters that me and Jaren are. And in doing so, the Spectrum Center will grant us a win as they granted us Mavs fan actual eligibility to watch Maverick games, unlike Mark Cuban. So, oh, speaking of Mark Cuban, we, we got to close with the protest. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you think of the, the whole loony basket and the protest that may ensue from it? Uh, I mean, I, I felt like from a referee perspective, I felt like it was kind of mismanaged, but at the same time, like, uh I, I don't know if there they, was they they had their own justification for yeah. it that's gonna serve for that protest to be um basically dismayed or um thrown to the wayside but essentially they they came out and said after the game the referees that was that they pointed it to be warriors ball first and the second point where they looked like it was going the mavericks direction was a point to call for a mandatory mavericks timeout and then he did a little back signal with his thumb uh, that was a little like pseudo attempt to uh, try and still signify it was Warriors ball. And they just didn't explain everything, anything after the timeout. The Mavericks all thought it was their ball, but nobody was there to inbound it for the Mavericks, whatever. And the Warriors get an easy dunk. And of course, Reggie Bullock screw, you know, throws up that FU three at the end to yeah. make it a two point game. So I don't know. We'll see how it uh, 
that situation evolves, but I, I don't think anything will really come after it. But glad the Mavericks are doing their due diligence by process. They're it. trying, guys. They're these trying. are these are the important uh, issues that Mark Cuban is trying to yeah. solve with this team. We don't like team building here. We no. like we like issues with the referees. Re- so. Yes, that that is what we can test. But when we we're we're uh, we're just going on tangent here, so we will catch you guys in the next one. Mainstream Mavs signing out. Bye bye.